0: world-class media. This is world-class. I'm your host, Travis Chappell. Here on world-class, we combine value, entertainment, and behind the scenes insights to bring you the most comprehensive view of what it takes to become world-class in what you do. Listen in every week as I have conversations with top business leaders, journalists, hostage negotiators, authors, comedians, producers, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I'll have a chat with them. I believe that the best way to become world-class is to learn from those who already are. And that's exactly what we do here on the show. You'll learn the skills that you need to master, the mindset that you need to adopt, the work you need to put in, all from people who have walked the road before you. So get ready to learn, be motivated, and most importantly, have a good time because you're listening to World Class. Mark, what's up, brother? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Of course, of course. How's How's the trip into Vegas been so far?
1: Actually... My assistant booked the wrong flight. She booked me from Vegas to Cali, not Cali to Vegas. So it's been a rough morning, but <laughs> um, we are opening up a store in Vegas, so all is well and good.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, look, I want to get into a bunch of stuff with you here. We got a lot to talk about in terms of iconic, what you guys are doing with the company. I just respect respect a lot about what you guys have going on there. But first, I want to like go back, back, back here and uh, build some build some context for everybody listening. So tell me what it was like growing up for like eight year old Mark. Like bring me back to that moment.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Long Island in a place called East Meadow, middle class Long Island. Um, my father was a Wall Street guy. He woke up at 6'11 every day for 30 plus years. Um, my mom was a speech pathologist. I had one sister, super tight with her. She was a big soccer player, did really well in school, and was a little bit of a troublemaker growing up, played soccer my whole entire life. I actually didn't go to school on Fridays for a long time because I was traveling almost every weekend. Playing soccer. Playing soccer. And um, so
0: more of a passion for soccer than for schoolwork, I assume.
1: I actually was not passionate about learning and reading in school till very, very late in the game. I was a late bloomer with everything actually in life. Always a late bloomer. Uh, Yeah. And I was a big soccer player and really tight knit group of friends, mostly all athletes. And I would say for me, You know, I look at my life, I kind of break it up into different segments. And for me, it all comes down to, I was a big soccer player on the club circuit. And then for my school team, I was not recognized. So I was the only Mm. one out of my buddies my sophomore year that wasn't on varsity. And then my junior year, I didn't even start. And keep in mind, you know, my club team was ranked nationally. I knew everybody in the circuit. Mm. And going into my senior year, they had a players to watch list. And not only was I not on the list my own friends who were on my team, who they would probably agree that I was better than and friends on the circuit that I was also better than were on the list. So that was kind of, for me, like the first big moment in my life. I remember- Defining moment. Defining moment. I remember vividly sitting at my kitchen room table with my mom. I was eating a bagel and eggs. I saw it and I just, something flipped in my mind where- I went psycho as far as working out, running, training. Um, I had always trained. Um, I trained on my own. I trained with my team, but then it became something where it was a sick obsession to yeah. prove people wrong and to prove to myself and to my family who had always believed in me.
0: Do you think that it was like unhealthy obsession or super healthy obsession?
1: I don't think there's no such thing as an unhealthy obsession if it's what makes you happy. Mm. And for me, everything turns. I went from not even being smart, uh, a starter the captain of the team. I made all county. We went as far as we ever went and I got tons of college scholarships. So for me, that was the moment where I was like, wow, if I put my mind to anything, I will win. And it was something that my family had always instilled in me. My mom, I love her more than anything. She always texts me to believe in myself. I actually have belief tattooed on my body because of her. And that was like the first time where obviously moms always are going to have your back. Hmm. But this was like a time where it was like stamped, like she believed in me and I proved her. Right. Right.
0: So right, that's huge definitely. for me. So going into college, what were the plans? Was it just like, Hey, I just want to go and play soccer
1: or like, I'm yeah. going
0: for this specific degree now. And this is just a vehicle.
1: So I had tons of college, uh, college offers and I went to play at Delaware. I go there to play. I ended up not really getting along with the team. So I actually ended up quitting and I was a little lost my freshman year, just kind of refining myself because in school I was part of the cool crowd. You know, I was a big soccer player and I went there, I went to university of Delaware and I was nobody. And then something happened right then and there. My freshman year, I was in the dorms and I went down the hall to these girls that needed alcohol. And at that point, we had been through freshman orientation and they were like, hey, don't do this, don't do that. Three strikes, you're out of school. So these girls gave me $40 for a 30-pack of beer. And at that point, I'd always drank Bud Light. So I go to the store and I discover something called Natty Ice, Milwaukee Beast. I go to the store and I buy a 30-pack for seven, eight bucks. I go back to them and I was like, Here's $32 and change. And they're like, keep it. So then I was walking back to my room and just the light went off in my head. I'm like, wow, nobody wants to take the risk of buying the alcohol. I have the fake ID. My roommate was on the football team. He had the car. So then what did I do? I went to everyone on my floor, everyone on the top floor, everyone in my building. Then I created this business where basically I was filling up duffel bags with liquor and with beer. And even got to a point where I, where I mitigated the risk and I had other people carrying it from the parking lot to the dorms. And right then and there, I just, I became an entrepreneur. And and for me, an entrepreneur is being able to to find white space and and find opportunities to make money. And then that was the genesis of me becoming a hustler for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Was there any point during that time where you felt like you were getting into like a dangerous area where it was just like, oh man, like this is making some money and I'm hustling my ass off here. But it's dangerous. Yeah. Like at some point this could come crashing down and I could lose a lot of things.
1: Yeah. For me, I'm so blessed with my upbringing where I, there was a very eclectic mix where like the town next to me was very wealthy and the, the other town on the other side wasn't wealthy and I was kind of like in the middle. Mm. So I had seen some things yeah. Um. and there was like some quote unquote heat on me that they figured out what I was doing. And then I actually had a beer pong tournament in my room. We ripped down the doors and I had two beer pong tables and then the resident advisor came in they knew what I was doing. I got my first strike and it stopped.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So one strike later, you're done. What are you doing now? And and what what was your your major during this time and stuff like that?
1: So at that point I was a finance major because my dad uh, was a Wall Street guy and I thought I was going to go down that path. Always something businessy
0: then, like you're always pursuing that sort of path.
1: Yeah, but I was, I didn't, it was just then where I was starting to see that I had the mind, the strategy, the drive. And when I saw a little opportunity, I penetrate and I go really fast and I try and optimize any situation. So there was that. And then it just became a spiral of of different little mini businesses where I did bus trips or basically... You know, I would make deals with the guys that had the bus. I'd make a deal with with the bars. They'd pay, you know, people would pay $20 and then they'd get free transportation. They'd get free an hour of open bar and then I'd get a cut of the bar. Hmm. So that was something where I started doing that and I was making like pretty good amount of cash. Yeah, yeah. And I had a, a t-shirt company. So, I mean, I just did so much stuff during school where I learned an incredible amount and I graduated in five years and I had a 2.11 GPA. If you guys want to go check my Instagram at Mark Brazil, Mark with a K, Brazil with a Z, I put my report card on there. It is the most embarrassing thing. <laughs> I withdrew a whole semester that I paid for. Wow. Cause I didn't go to class and I was just tanking, <laughs> but I was making money.
0: Hey, but it, I mean, and props to you for going back and finishing though, yeah. honestly, like cause a lot of people would just be like, Hey, I'm making money. Screw this. I'm done. What made you want to finish?
1: My family. Okay. So I come from a pretty conservative family. So yeah, I finished for them. They paid a lot of money for school and it's something I'll forever be indebted to them for and definitely going to get them back for that for sure. But yeah, it's good to, it, you know, at that point, this is over 10 years ago, where you went to school and having a degree was semi-relevant at that point. Oh, right. So, right. and I went to University of Delaware. It's, I don't know, top 30 business school. It's a pretty good school. So. Okay at least I had a degree.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you've been able to use a lot of the things that you actually learned in school? I'm not talking about like experiences that you gained from running businesses in school, but like actual classes, do you feel like it was pretty helpful?
1: Zero. Which looking back, there's this, this Instagram thing where everyone's like, you know, forget about school. Don't do nine to fives. I actually was an idiot. Like looking back, I wish I paid attention in school. Hmm. It's like, it's saying, um, you know, you could be smart, but do you want to be smarter? Hmm. You know, like looking back in those classes, like if I knew how to really use Microsoft Excel, me as a business person, that would be great to be able to whip up quick financial models and do it on myself. Instead, I need to rely on somebody else. Mm. So I learned literally nothing. I paid attention to nothing. I literally skinned by, by, the, by the teeniest amount. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't, but I wish I did. Okay,
0: so yeah. so not necessarily because the material wasn't there, but mainly like your mind wasn't there. It was elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I was a completely different human than I wasn't passionate about learning and reading and such, right.
0: which is how it should be, right? Like, yeah. you, you should, you should always be becoming a different person. A hundred percent. It's crazy to me when people say that they're the same person that they were 10 years ago. <laughs> like that's, that's like, that's way not worse. good. That's not good. <laughs> right.
1: In any context, it's not good.
0: <laughs> so, okay. Coming out of college, you graduate, get your degree. Was there like a job lined up? Were you ready to go like get back into that finance career and stuff yeah. like that? Or was it more, Hey, I'm, I'm working on this entrepreneurial venture. It's actually going pretty well and I'm going to keep pursuing that.
1: So things have been going pretty well up to this point. I was okay. I was the cool guy in high school. Um, I was part of you know the best fraternity. I would say making a lot of money, and then my life hit absolute tank for a long stretch of time. Okay. So next was my best friend Will Dean, who's actually my, my new business partner now and just moved back to California. He was working for uh, an energy efficient lighting company in LA, and he's like, "Hey, we need somebody to lead certified, leadership in energy and environmental design," and this was. I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. This is when the green boom was, was booming. Yeah, And up to that point, I had done terrible in school. I didn't know I did horrible on every test. Hmm. So I was like, Hey, you know what? California is, is this cool esoterical place. Let's go move there. Let's go get lead certified. And it was all about things that I had no clue how to do. So like irrigation systems. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how to build a desk for my Ikea. So <laughs> this was, I was a complete idiot. So I studied for months. And then I fail and you can only take it every two months. Mm. So then another two months and then I fail again. And then another two months I finally pass. So I waited like six, seven months of my life. Luckily I'd made a little bit of money, but now at this point I literally had no money. Mm. I moved to California, signed a lease. A week later, I get laid off because the guy didn't need me. Oh gosh. So I got no money now. I invested all this time to become leadership in energy and environmental design, lead certified. And now I have this lease, which I probably overextended myself a bit mm-hmm. because I was excited about California. I had nothing. So then I found a job on Craigslist doing uh, home remodeling, energy-efficient lighting and windows and all this stuff. Like doing the actual labor? No, selling. Okay. So zero salary, all commission. Uh, Of course. This next year of my life was huge for me because I learned about, really about selling. I always was great at selling strategies, but I didn't have real structure to it. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy that like, I still remember it. it was called form, family, occupation, recreation, and money. It's how you kind of like size up people and then evaluate it. And I would literally go into people's houses from, from Compton to Beverly Hills, to the Inland, all over the place, mm-hmm. no money down. And I would knock on their door and I would spend five, six, seven, eight hours in their house trying to sell them $30,000 worth of energy efficient coding. Mm. And there'd be times I'd sit in houses for six hours and make zero sales. Yeah. There'd be times where I'd go weeks without making any money. There'd be times where I would drive 250 miles, knock on doors, and nobody shows up. I always say I vividly remember, and this was, I was never a suit and tie guy. I remember wearing a suit and tie, absolutely miserable in this terrible car, just eating beef jerky outside my car, sweating and just thinking like, wow, I'm like a miserable failure. So that was like I would say one of one of the lowest points of my life. Yeah, and I was like, I gotta move back to New York. What was it? Pure door to door? Did were they sending you leads and they they just knock around the area? They had a very low level call center where the 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 leads I would not even say were qualified. Yeah, the quote unquote leads. The quote unquote leads were not qualified. Right, and it's just you're literally. It taught me everything about sales because I was literally selling to black people, white people, Mexican people, old people, young people, Beverly Hills, Compton. All over the place. And for me, up until that point, I'd only associated and talked to people that I wanted to talk to.
0: This is the part of the story that I really like, bro, because like this is, these are all the things that happen behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Like where the, the things that people don't see. So yeah. they look at you right now and go, man, iconic. You guys are just blown up on the scene, like yeah. eight figures in revenue in yep. t- less than two years, just blew up crazy. Like, yeah. how did you do that? What are you doing right now? And then they look at your dissect your marketing and they look at this and that that you put together. Mm-hmm. What they don't see was the previous decade of like trying something something failing, trying something failing, trying something succeeding and then failing and then getting punched in the face here and here and then like falling down here and then doing this sales gig where you cut your teeth and learned emotional intelligence oh, yeah. and like learned how to communicate with people properly in general. Like all of those things are what has allowed you to be able to do what you've done now. It's not just the fact that like you picked a good company and like hit it right on the head this time. It was because you've put in 10 years of pre-work before mm-hmm. the work mattered for the, what you're what you have going on right now. And this is part of the story that I really vibe with personally, because my whole background is in door-to-door sales before I got into this. Yeah, So I was six, seven years of knocking on doors, training, selling, recruiting, managing all door-to-door sales reps, man. So like, I know firsthand how important it is because everybody, because a lot of people say the same thing about the show is like, Hey man, how have you done this in a short amount of time? Like, how did you get this person and that person, this person? It was like, well, it's, doing these things, but it's using all the experience that I have from literally knocking on thousands of doors and talking Mm -hmm. to thousands of different people and like learning how to communicate properly with each and every one of those people. So like huge applause to you for like going through each and every part of this process and like really, really grinding it out.
1: You couldn't have said any better, man. I I always make this analogy. It's, it's in the art space. So I I think it was Picasso actually, where someone put a napkin in front of him and he drew a little something and they go, how much? And he goes, $30,000. And they go, why? It took you five seconds. He goes, no, actually it took me 40 years to mm. do it in five seconds. Yeah. So that's kind of the same thing for me. Another thing that I always say is, is always and only make new mistakes. That's something I always say. Always be making mistakes and then only make new mistakes. You want to make as many mistakes as possible, as quick as possible, but only make them once. So Love I that. also think experience. Is that an iconic poster? No, it should be though. It should be. I'd buy that. Yeah people just sorely underestimate experience nowadays they get very jaded by these these guys that are just flexing random stuff probably bought on credit cards or guys that like Mark Zuckerberg that, that hit big early which kudos to him that's one in a billion though it's just like, I always say that I'm just so much smarter than I was yesterday, than, than a week ago. I look at myself like two years ago. I'm like, wow, what an idiot, you know? So <laughs> that's how it should be though. Right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I just funny, man, I was just having this conversation with a, with a client of mine the other day and she was going back and forth with what to charge for this like consulting day for this company that, that was looking to hire her. And I was just like, well, you should, I think, oh, I was like, well, what do you think you should charge? And then I was like, whatever you think you should charge, double that. Because your work, like they're not paying you for a single day of work. They're paying you for the previous decade of knowledge and experience that they don't have to go do now. Like 100%. that's what it's for. It's not for eight hours of your time like you're a janitor. Like you're not getting paid an hourly wage like you, like because that's how she was factoring it. it. Was like, oh, well, my my time is worth X amount of dollars and blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, no, it's not about your time like today. Yep. It's about you have, de- you have years and years of experience and failures and lost money and opportunities that you've put in that you're going to save them from that. That's what you're charging for. So, man, I'm I, totally, I also, totally on the same page. I
1: also think it's people underestimate, you know, when they're charging the delta that they're going to improve your business. Hmm. So, like, for me, if someone that's doing e-commerce that's doing 50 or 100 grand a month, I'm supremely confident that in five minutes I can tell them, do this abandoned car flow, do this app, do this. I'm gonna increase that revenue twenty thousand dollars in five minutes. Yeah, I'm supremely confident in that. So it's like people need to start looking at the actual value that you give to someone, not the time. The
0: value exchange, yeah, which is exactly what we're talking about before we even pressed record. So before we get there, let's go jump back into the story. Yeah, and and then it gets worse. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So really low point in your life, selling stuff you don't want to be selling. It's hot. You're in a bad car. Okay. So start there. Take us. So now I move back to New York.
1: So at that point, I'm one of the guys, which. You know how people move to California and then they move back because they can't, quote unquote, hack it. Yeah. So I'm that guy. Okay. Which I'm a confident guy. So that that hurt, but I had to do it at that point. I, need, I needed to just refine myself what I wanted to do. So I go back and I'd always been a really good idea guy. And at that point, I just started dabbling and reading a bit. I'd read the book like Art of the Star by Guy Kawasaki and, and stuff like that. Just understanding structure of business, like go LLC a business, go to GoDaddy and buy a domain, etc. So I come up with this idea called the World DJ League where the DJs are the players, the management companies are the teams and the venues are the stadiums. We're gonna stream DJ sets and all of this grandiose stuff. I end up through one of my fraternity brothers, my little brother, Dan Oken, shout out Dan. His family friend, a very wealthy family, I teamed up with him and I spent six months really pushing this concept with him. We're working every single day on it. It was a huge idea with a lot of legal loopholes, so it wasn't like nowadays where you can just start something today. We got an LOI, a letter of intent for money. Keep in mind, I'm fully vested in this. I have no money at all. I'm in this deep. Hmm. He goes skiing one weekend and he dies. Wow. Which people don't know to this day how he died. And yeah, man, the money got taken away. And I was so deep in it. At that point, I was, I mean, I was a guy I spent every single day with. That happened. So I got a little, I'm a pretty non-emotional guy when it comes to business, but it it messed me up a bit. And I Hmm. decided that, I had to move, move on from that. That was, that was really, that was really hard. Man, wow. Yeah. And it's just, at that point, I cared what people thought. Now I don't care at all. And at that point, it was just, it was just failures on failures. And that's when, I think that's when it was like absolute rock bottom. Yeah. When when do
0: you think the switch happened from like caring what people thought to not caring what people thought?
1: When I really started diving deep into the true winners and when I tasted a little bit of a win. And I'm starting to realize now, no one cares, for the most part, nobody cares about anybody. Everybody's out for themselves. Mm. And I've just narrowed my focus on a very small group of people that I want them to know the real me. And then just do the best I can with everything else.
0: Yeah. How would you recommend somebody go about doing that for themselves? Like if they're in that mindset where they're like, man, I'm Mark, Travis, I hear you guys. Like, I I, I know that I do this, right? Yeah. But how do I, how do I just abandon what everybody thinks of me? Cause I just care too much. What would you say to somebody like that?
1: Audit your circle. I think that's the most important thing. Everybody talks about, you know, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. I fully agree on that. Yeah. So audit your circle. That's very, very important. You want people that are talking about improving themselves, learning, reading, fitness. All the people I surround myself are looking to optimize their life in every single way possible. Become a better friend, a better brother, a better father, all that stuff. So it's who you surround yourself with. And then the other thing, which is huge, is audit what you're consuming. Who are you following on Instagram? Whose podcast are you listening to? Like for me, in all of my life, in business and friendships and in content, I don't go wide and shallow. I go narrow and deep. Example, Ed Milet. I discovered him a couple weeks ago. Bender. I'm just consuming everything. I love this guy's stuff. Yeah. I've already implemented multiple things in my life, and he's changed my life. I'm like a 15% better human the last month because of this guy. Right. So like okay. for me- oh, His episode
0: is still one of the most downloaded ones on my show.
1: Oh, he's, he's an animal. Mm. Uh, absolute right. animal. So audit your circle, and then audit the, the, the content that you consume.
0: So now, actual rock bottom. So yeah. it was like tough before- but now it's like real rock bottom. Yep. What what happens from there?
1: So then my buddy, Ian, uh, who was living in Florida, came to me for an idea to start a uh, an, a mixed martial arts infused clothing company, sponsoring MMA guys. And I had had that experience from college. Okay. So we did it. Um, it was good. Made a couple hundred grand. It was mid twenties. Um, actually ended up spinning it off into IP and then it became a graphic novel, a comic book. It's actually still in existence right now. But through that, I met two guys that came to me with a concept to create a luxury headwear company. And I was like 26 or 27. They basically came to me. They were my sales guys for the MMA clothing company. They had okay. they had uh, grown Tap Out, the company Tap Out. Wow. So I was like, wow, this makes sense. You know, before $200 jeans, there was only Lee and Levi's. Mm-hmm. Before Stan socks, there was $4 socks, $2 socks. I was like, okay, right, this makes sense. So I ended up touring the US with them. Um, we did three, four months. 40 states, 175 retailers, lived on a, uh, I don't even know, a terrible tour bus, <laughs> sleeping in Walmart parking lots, taking five second showers, but we ended up acquiring funding. And then this was 2014-ish. And then I ended up moving back to California with full funding and becoming the CMO of that company. Okay. So now I was back and like, hey, this is like a real company. And um, we were in Lids, Bloomingdale's, Zoomies, Nordstrom's. It was it was a real company. So okay. now I was a bit more stabilized. So that was that was good for me. I was back yeah. in the, in the normal life.
0: So give you a taste of success right on the heels of a pretty pretty gnarly failure.
1: Not so much success. Think about what I just told you. I had never really worked for like a real company. So it started. It put me in like a what is society like? What what is what are regular companies like? Hmm. And it really taught me what I wanted, what I didn't wanted. And I was the number three at the company. So I saw at that point, I had, you know I'd done sales, I'd been an intern, I'd been the CMO, I've started my own stuff. So I started seeing stuff from different angles and seeing what worked and didn't work. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that experience set me up to do what I'm doing now.
0: And what ended up happening with that company?
1: I ended up. I was just really under and underutilized. And at that point. I had begun my friendship with a guy named Jeff Cole. who's my business partner now. He does the art. I do the business for Iconic. And Jeff actually ended up moving to California and we lived together during this company. And then- What, what was he doing at the time? He was doing 1099 work and I was sourcing him stuff from my, my MMA clothing company and just kind of helping him out. So he was just doing literally whatever. Doing whatever. Yeah. And it's so wild to look back now because yeah. he's the goat. He's literally the best at what he does. <laughs> yeah. And like- I think I saw it before everybody else Yeah, because he's got the best ideas. He works faster than everybody. He's honest. He's loyal. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that like, it's just crazy. So this was 2014, 2015. And we, then the company that, the, the company Mel and the hack company, we just weren't in a good spot, either of us. Yeah. And we were back to not rock bottom, but not happy, basically living paycheck to paycheck, living in Carlsbad, San Diego. Got it. Keep in mind, I'm, um, from new york just from chicago we were at nike's adidas jordan carlsbad san diego for people that don't know or older people that wear sandals yeah and we're in a company that had pivoted to skate so ryan Scheckler was a partner we were in zoomies i didn't even know who ryan Scheckler was and i was the cmo of the company <laughs> so if you guys want to talk about authenticity i knew that it was time to go yeah so this was i don't know a couple years back three years back maybe And then we pivoted out of that, me and Jeff, for an MBA licensed company. It was a consumer product, MBA licensed company, which I don't want to talk about much, to to be frank with you. But through that, we moved to LA together. Me and Jeff and the office, we lived in the office with this other guy. And that's in 2016, we were like, let's start dropshipping art because I owned a couple of big Instagram accounts. And at that time I managed an artist, his name is Timmy Sneaks, and I saw a huge hole in the price point art business. Everybody that was emailing me could not afford the art. So I was like, wow, let's drop a limited edition print, not limited, limited units, limited time. So for 48 hours we can make as much money as possible. Made a lot of money. And I was like, wow, there's a huge hole in this market. So then Jeff was like, wow. He looked at Instagram and he's like, I'm seeing all this inspirational stuff. I'm seeing these, these photos and these crude memes. You know, let's just mess around and start drop shipping art. So Jeff had actually Printed all of his art through this one company in college. So he had, had this relationship with this one company, oddly enough. And we started doing it, making $1,000 here and there in 2016. Black Friday, we made like 20 grand. And we we're like, wow, this is awesome. Because this was, was a side hustle. We were, like, right, right. We we're like, this is complete. Like we didn't even touch the account. It was like, whatever. And then February 27th, 2017 occurred. We moved from Squarespace to Shopify and we discovered something called digital marketing. And for everybody that's listening right now, I would consider myself pretty well-versed in digital marketing. February 27th of 2017, which is a little over two years ago, I knew absolutely zero about digital marketing. Zilch. I did not know what ROAS is, return on ad spend for people that do digital marketing. They would say that's like the, the most mundane, easy thing to know. So then in March, we started doing ads. Month one, with this, there was white space. You were running your own ads or? Uh, we had a guy that was helping us. Okay. So it was me, Jeff, and a guy that was helping us. And then it just went wild. And we were working from five o'clock in the morning to eight in the morning. And then the second, our partner in that MBA company left at five or six, the doors slammed and we went crazy. Hmm. I was a lot of expressos. And it was just, it was the first time that me and Jeff were mutually aligned with hmm. the yeah. revenue upside. And then right. obviously the effort. And it was like, Hey, the more effort we put in, the more money we make. Yeah, And we had also come from retail where for people that don't know retail, there's, there's different terms. So there's something called net 30, net 60, net 90 or consignment. Net 30 means that you put the goods in and then you don't get it for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days or consignment where you put the goods in and you only get the money for what you sell. So you're basically floating money to these retailers where it hurts your cash flow, and then potentially you cannot not even get paid. Like when we were at the hat company, like what am I going to do when I send 15, $200 hats to Johnny in Atlanta? And I call Johnny and say, Johnny, give me money. What am I going to do? Right, right. I'm not gonna curse, but you kissing know. goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not coming back. Right. So then we discovered this e-commerce thing where the Shopify Cha-Ching happened. Yeah. And the money came in. And there's no retailer in the middle. There's nothing. Yeah. So it was immediate satisfaction. And we just it just became it became crazy addictive where I will forever remember the day where Jeff is a fanatical worker, but he 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 was a party guy in college. You know, he went to University of Arizona and such. So he would, he, he's he got his friends that he goes out with. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time that we had, this, in the beginning, we would keep the cha-chings on, the Shopify cha-chings on. And he was downstairs, they were downstairs to pick him up. And on the way out, it went cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And as he was walking out, he goes, F that. And he goes back. Didn't want to go out, <laughs> you know? And that's when it just, like, it, it was so exciting. Yeah. For right. anybody that's an entrepreneur out there, the beginning is just, oh, God bless the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... How many cha-chings in how short of a period of time, like like when three, six months down the road, were you guys just like, okay, we got to just stop whatever else we're doing and just like do this full time?
1: Well, that's where Jeff and me differ. As you can tell, I'm a cowboy. He is not. So it was, a, it was an every single day thing where I was like, bro, let's go. We got to do this. Yeah. And once we're not reliant on one skew or one art piece, mm-hmm. once it started spreading to yeah. multiple skews, then he's like, okay, let's do this. Okay. So we did the first 2 million part-time. Wow. Wow. So so anybody out, anybody out there that's got excuses, you should probably stop this. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, bro. I mean, anytime I talk with somebody who
0: has an excuse on something, I'll ask them if anybody out there has ever been something, has ever been through something similar or worse than what they're currently going through? Yeah. And the answer is always yes. And then the follow-up question is, has that person been able to, to turn that situation into a great situation. Yeah. And the answer is always yes. So then it's like, there go the excuses. Like they're out the window. It comes down to the fact that like you're either willing or you're not willing to put in the work. Both are fine either yeah. way. But if your goals are something that is not going to align with the amount of work that you're willing to put into it, then yeah. you can't get upset about not reaching those goals. Right. Right. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't make sense. You can't,
1: you got to pick one or the other. Can't it's, have both. It's all in your head. It's yeah. really all in your head. That That's to harp on my lead again, because he's just got so much good stuff. Yeah. He always talks about building internal reputation with yourself. Proving yeah. to yourself inside your head. Every day I wake up, I make my bed, I make my bed, do the pull ups, do this, do that, do that. And then you'd start seeing, like, wow, I could really do this. Wow, I can really, let's do this for three days. And after three days, you're like, wow, let's do this for six days. And for me, I've just systematically, I'm now like really battling in my head to just prove to myself that I'm who I know I can be. And it's so much fun too, because when you get those little wins in yourself, like sometimes I'm just like, get really happy. Like I'll have like my headphones on, I'll get like really happy. Cause I like, did something internally and like my partner always looks at me like you're a weirdo, you know? So
0: <laughs> Okay, let's go a little bit, a little, a little practical here, bro. So for anybody that doesn't know, and I'm sure that I'm sure that they've been kind of listening and their interest is peaked about what iconic is. So can you, yeah. since we haven't clearly defined what your company is, what you do, what your revenue has been in the last couple of years, can you just kind of give us a quick synopsis
1: of that? It is affordable pop culture art. So as low as $70 up to a thousand dollars. And uh, we have tons of licenses, Muhammad Ali, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley, the NBA, tons more coming. We ship worldwide and that's the, basic genesis behind it. You know, me and Jeff are pretty forward facing and we're really passionate about motivation and inspiration. So a lot of our content and pieces are revolve around that. And then we have we put out tons of content. So I mean if you watch our web series, it's all about like dialogue like this. So that's really it. I think to keep it super, super simple, that's what it is. Um, you know, where do you go to get your art? IKEA. Yeah. Posters. Right. Amazon. Target. Target. <laughs> you know, if you want super unique stuff, yeah. That's affordable. Iconic, I K O N I C K. You got that right Dot before it too. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Don't that wrong. Yeah, yeah man, thank you. Do wrong. my
0: research. man. There you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, go to Iconic.com to to check out some of their stuff. Really, really great things um, on the horizon there. I want to get into how you put together a couple of your partnerships, bro. Because I think this is this is what ties into the conversation from earlier where we're talking about really cutting your teeth and learning emotional intelligence and how to communicate yeah. with people all from all different walks of life, cultures, backgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, uh, societal statuses and whatever. Um, so I think this is what really ties it in. So let's pick one of these specifically to go into, I know you have a ton of different partnerships yep. and different licensing deals with, with other people, but specifically let's go into the, uh, how you guys were able to build a new partnership with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and what he's got going on.
1: For sure. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to what we talked about before. It's all about value first. When I think about every single person in my life, and let's just exclude my family because they brought me to to earth, I'm just giving favors to everybody. I can't really think of many people right now in my head that it's like, I owe you one. Because I'm just value. value. I just throw so much value out there. And Gary reached out to Jeff to do the rebrand for Vayner Sports. Jeff did it. Jeff did it. And they go, how much? And I go to Jeff. We're not charging them. Just wait. So we did a Gary on a Gary. So exactly. he did,
0: he did the actual design for work. free and Jeff
1: okay. charges a lot.
0: Yeah. And well, I mean, and for a company that can actually pay you. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So that happened. And then what happened, we had an inside guy at Vayner, his name's Justin G and Grande. We had just started popping off the company. So then we waited six months and then Jeff, Jeff had started watching Gary's stuff. Jeff was an artist and now he's starting to have a little bit more business sense. Gary was the one that put him on. And then obviously I'm psychotic about learning and, and listening to podcasts and such. Mm-hmm. So us together, he's starting to get more into business. So like six months after that happened, he's like, bro, are you going to do anything with Gary? And literally it was like a late night and I was at my computer. I was like, eh, yeah. So I put together an email and I go, yo, Justin, we're huge Gary disciples. Here's our revenue the last six months. Do me a favor, get me a meeting. Justin hits me right back with a screenshot from him and Gary. He goes, dope. Get me a meeting with these guys. A week later we get a, a calendar invite and keep in mind at this point we're not fanboying over Gary but I mean this is a guy that we consume all of his content I, I highly sure. respect him Beverly Hills Hotel we get a calendar invite from 5 15 to 5 30 15-minute meeting this is that this is how busy this guy is we get a 15-minute meeting with him we go there and that 15-minute meeting turns into an hour it's absolutely explosive we're on we're on the Gary V show and by the end of it he was just like I like you guys come to New York and I'm from New York so we go a week later go to his office we talk and we ended up staying in um, the music studio with him until two in the morning, developing like a real relationship with him. He's like, what are we doing here? I was like, I don't know, let's do something. And then we ended up doing something. And it's funny because the real ones know the real ones. And mm, yeah, think about this, in the beginning, that first couple million, Jeff was f- solely focused on the design. So I'm doing everything else, mm-hmm. I'm doing all the customer, I'm doing everything. So... You know, for these interviews and when I'm on panels, if you're preparing, not, not you because you should prepare because you're interviewing someone, but like if, if you're asking me questions, I don't have to prepare because I did it. Right. So Gary's asking me all these probing questions and he's like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Right. Because I'm doing it. So right away that happens. And then parallel to that was a conversation with Scooter. Scooter and Gary are two kingpins. They're both huge jet fans and they had never been in the business together. So that they were both were happening simultaneous. And then we told both about it. And then we closed the same deal at the same time.
0: Wow. So with Scooter Braun and Gary Vee, same this, deal. Same time, same deal. Gotcha. Yep. Bro, there's so many parts of this that I that I really love because everything that you're talking about is everything that I teach on the show and try to get people to see, right? Because that's the whole idea behind creating content is yep. like trying to create a change in somebody yep. and like convince them that this way is of doing it is a better way of doing it than the other way or maybe yep. the old way or whatever. So there's a couple of things in that story that, that I want to point out. First of all, I hear a lot of people, especially in the networking, quote unquote, networking world that say like, hey, be interested, not interesting, right? Like always be interested in the other person. And I agree with that for the most part, but I think it makes people back off on the being interesting part, which is like half of the I equation. I like where you're going with this. Yeah. Because like you add you got to be a person of interest in order to demand attention from other people of interest. 100%. So like if you were just another one of Gary Vee's fanboys that like walk into the office, yeah. then you're going to, you're going to leave five minutes later with a picture of you shaking yep. his hand and like, that's it done. Right.
1: Big thing with that too. You can't be a fan and a friend. So you got to pick one or the other. Mm. I don't want to interrupt, though. Keep yeah, going. Though. No. You're, you're on a good path right now.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And I, I love that you pointed that out and you can consume somebody's content and be their friend without being like a geeky, like 100%. nerd out fan. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, be, be interested in my opinion. You got to be interested and interesting. It's one of the mm-hmm. things that I would go over in, in my new training that I have coming out because I think it's so overlooked and people stop becoming better versions of themselves and they stop working on certain things because they're, they're so forward, like others facing, that they forget that they also have, like, you, you got to bring something to the table. If you're going to be able to connect on a deeper level, other than just like, oh, I shook his hand and we met one time. Cause you can do that with anybody. Like I can Gary V Next week. I'm sure I could go look at his speaking schedule, go to an event, shake his hand, get a 30 second conversation with him and be on my merry way. Right. But like now you're leaving with a partnership, a signed inked deal where you're going to make money with somebody who you've like loved and looked up to for Mm -hmm. a long period of time. Right. So I think it's important to be interested and interesting. They have to like you. Yeah. People like interesting people. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. It's all part of the story. So that piece is there. And then there's the value add piece, which is something that I harp on all the time and something that not everybody gets, but talking with you that you're somebody that just gets it. Mm hmm. Like doing a deal like that where you could potentially make a ton of money right now. Like with Jeff turning down money from Gary Vee saying like, hey, how much do we owe you? You know what? Don't worry about it. Totally fine.
1: What do you think the delta was on what... Go to me, what, 15 grand versus what? Right, right. But That's people wild. get so
0: caught up in it, don't they? Like, man, well, I mean, it's 15 grand, man. Like, it's, it's a lot of money. I'm not just going to turn, I'm not going to work for free. You know, it's like, well, sometimes you should.
1: <laughs> you the, know what I mean? The wild thing about it too, and, and Gary says it all the time, is at worst, you feel really good. Like, right. <laughs> you know, some of my really good friends that, you know, they're a little younger than me, like, dude, I'm giving them, I'm like consulting hell. Heavy with them. I'm mm-hmm. telling them everything. Yeah. Like I could be charging them a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But you know how awesome that is? Like when I see them implement what I'm telling them, like that makes me feel good. Right. Well, not to mention like a fast forward a decade. Again, yeah. it's all long
0: term. It's all a long yeah. game, right? Fast forward a decade. One of those kids that you're consulting right now is the mm-hmm. next freaking Mark Zuckerberg or something less than Mark Zuckerberg that's still like nine <laughs> figures, eight figures at least. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who are they going to look up to at that point and be like, hey, this is my boy when back when I didn't know anything and nobody believed mm-hmm. in me. Mark, like took the time to sit down with me and like, give me his knowledge for free. I'll never forget that. You know what I mean? Like the, like those are the things that are going to like keep you fueled throughout the rest of your career. Like not even just an iconic, if you grow this company, sell it in two years from now, these relationships that you're building, the value that you're offering with people who are out there killing it, like that extends for the rest of your life. And people just don't wrap their mind around how valuable that is.
1: It's funny you say that because Scooter, the second time I met him, I remember it so vividly. He had talked about, it's not so much who you meet later. It's about the people you came up with. Hmm. Because it's always like you're sitting at that table and it's like your friend, you know, so-and-so needs this and you're like, oh, I know a guy from 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it's those people that you can lean on right. that you're really going to be able to help provide value to people. Yeah, It's like totally. you have those really good friends, you know?
0: Right, right. And now you have those going forward. Exactly. Right, so going back, you put together this deal with Gary. What have you guys got going on right now that you're super stoked about? And where do you think Iconic's going in the future?
1: Uh, so let's break it into two. Let's talk about Gary specifically. We dropped the first three pieces in our collection about three, four weeks ago crushing it. He's the real deal. Um, we're dropping, no one knows this either. We're dropping the second tier collection on April 16th. He'll Dope. be in LA with us. We'll be dropping, we'll be going Instagram live. Dope. And this is actually my favorite. There's actually three different drops. This is the second one. It's got, there's 10 pieces. It's Two of my favorite pieces are in it. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so there's that, which, I mean, it's been monumental. I mean, his audience is so engaged, yeah. so loyal that, you know, I talked about it before. It's just He's just filling, you know, for, for marketers out there, he's filling our funnel with like the exact guy that we want. Yeah. So there's that with him. And then, I mean, every time we see him, you know, we do the quick catch up, you know, we're doing this, this, and this, and then he gives us a little tidbit and that little tidbit can go a very long way. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's always, you know, I, I could watch an hour of one of his, his keynotes and there's yeah. that one thing. And you get that when you're with him, you get that right away. And like the funniest thing with him and with us, there's like, there's no fluff. I don't care how your day is doing here. I don't care about it. Let's just go. You know what I'm saying? Because he's so busy that right. it's just like, let's get right to it. And he's, he's a similar alien to us. So I just, I like that.
0: Yeah, totally, man. That's so cool. So going at going in the future, what do you guys like, what is your plan for Iconic? Um, as much as you're allowed to go
1: into. Yeah, much as I'm allowed to say. We have some really cool licenses about to drop. Okay, We have a store here in Vegas that's about to open, bringing on some really unique, cool artists. Up to this point, has it still only been uh, Jeff as far no, as artists no. go? No, We have, Jeff probably does 90% of the SKUs. Okay. We now have another guy in-house and then we do a lot of collaborations that they probably make up eh, probably 10% of the okay. SKUs. Gotcha. And then we have some really cool collaborations coming up. Cool. In like very eclectic niches. Yeah. Like nice. the biggest gamers in the world, like random stuff like that where like, you know, we really love storytelling that we're going to tell. That's awesome. That, that, man. that inspiration, like the story that we're talking about right now, like the Eat Dirt come yeah. up, this one with the, the, with the gaming team that we're about to do, these guys' story is crazy it's, and no one knows about it. Yeah. They just know them as like these fun loving guys that are bonging beers on Instagram stories, but they're like <laughs> the craziest backstory. Yeah. So yeah. that's it. We love what we're doing. Going to keep building out the team and oh yeah, we, we dropped pillows. We'll be dropping some other product mediums here and there. Oh, Nice. But uh, we have some new sizes coming for the art. Some big sizes, the one I showed you. Cool. But yeah, it's just it's just really optimizing and continue to do what we do.
0: That's so dope, bro! I can't wait to see what you guys keep doing in the future. It, obviously, you know I'm here to support it as any way I possibly can. If you're listening right now, head over to iconic.com. Grab some of this stuff. I'm telling you, it's going it's going to be everywhere, literally, really soon. So, hey, bro, I, I, I know we're coming down close to the end of the our time together, but I gotta ask this question because it's the one I ask every guest that comes on the show. Show called Build Your Network. It's about networking relationships. And we've talked a lot about that during the show, but this is the question that I ask everybody who, you know, or what, you know, which one is more important and why?
1: Honestly, I bet you, this is the less, the the answer that said less. It's definitely what, because I know so many people that know a lot of people, but they don't have any real value to add. I always say the most defensible thing in any market is intelligence and skills. If you're really good at something, no matter what people are going to want it, but you can know all these people, but if you're not providing value, then you're just another guy. And obviously, there's extenuating circumstances. If you come from a, a billionaire family, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. But there's always going to be a spot for the smart guy. Yeah. Totally. Always.
0: That's why I frame the question like that, bro. Cause like I think it's the who, but I frame it like that because I don't want people picking who because they're on my show. So like I, I appreciate all of like every time somebody gives me like a different insight. Like, bro, everything that you're saying yeah. is based on your experience. So like, yeah. that's dope. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me a story specifically about. A time where you were hitting a wall or maybe an obstacle that you couldn't quite figure out where like a connection that you had helped you move around or jump over or push
1: through that, that obstacle or that wall. I mean, that's, mil- I mean, that's every single day. <laughs> I mean, it's just literally people come to me if they need anything. Yeah. They need an accountant. They need a lawyer. They need jeans. They need socks. They need neck. I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere.
0: Right. Even that story that you just told about Gary V. like, yeah. The Gary Vee thing was awesome and the value there and and working for the firm for free and like all that stuff was there. But there was one piece that maybe not everybody picked out is like, you knew a guy yep. that worked in the office yeah. that could get you the meeting, right? Yep. Like you knew that if if I could get the meeting, like your what was going to kick in, right? Like, yep. Hey, I I know that I know my stuff. So if I can just sit down with Gary, I know that we're going to be able to work something out, but knowing the guy that could actually put the meeting together was what enabled you to actually get your foot
1: in the door. I got to tell this last one because it's too good. And it pertains to why the who and the what is important. Yeah. How we met Scooter. So um, I was in a fraternity called Sammy in uh, University of Delaware. One of my pledges, his name was Lee Levenberg. His best friend from home from Long Island, his name was Michael George. Michael George was managing a guy named Hoodie Allen, who years back had blown up. Michael moves to California and things don't work out with Hoodie. It's kind of the same situation as me. moves to California, things don't work out. Didn't know Michael. But Lee was like my little homie, my fraternity, and he's like, "Yo, Michael's here. I know you know some people. Anyway, you can take him around." So literally, and this is when I was broke but connected. So I took him to a bunch of meetings, just for no, just because Lee was my guy, Mm -hmm. and just because I'm a nice guy, and it's it's value first. Right. So Michael ends up discovering Martin Garrix, who. He found him on SoundCloud, who Martin Garrix, people all know, probably makes $15 or $20 million a year. And then Michael brought Martin Garrix the Scooter Braun and then helped build out the EDM division. So this was, Michael wasn't really my friend. Jimmy yeah, was, but he wasn't. We'd talk occasionally. And I had gone to Michael for all of these brands I was with, for hats. And he was like, eh, whatever. For the NBA licensed blankets, he's like, "Yeah, whatever. And then I go to him for the blankets and he's like, what else are you working on? And I told him about Iconic he's like oh scooter loves art really so then he just hooked us up with scooter and then two minutes in scooter's like love you guys done deal what are we doing (laughs) so that's literally about providing value yeah when no one wanted to help michael i helped michael but without the expectation of receiving anything. Yep.
0: Right? Cuz that's the whole that's the whole caveat yep. right there cuz a lot of people are on board with helping people yep. but only in a transactional manner. So like there was zero chance that you could have at that point looked into the future and been like one day I'll be working at this like canvas company yep. and we're going to be looking for strategic partners and mm-hmm. so if I help out this guy he's going to have the connection that in the future I'll be able to take it. Like there's zero chance you could actually plan that out and move step yep. by step through the process. It's just putting out good for people and then like it just comes back there's just no way it always works
1: out i don't know how to explain it and i feel like people just i guess there's some people that just don't act on intuition and they need more hard examples or whatever it is but like it always works out right so yeah that's a crazy story that for me love it bro i laugh about it that it's just like all i needed was just and i tell scooter all the time he goes to me he goes what do you want from me and i go scooter give me layups so he gives me layups and i go and slam dunk it yeah that's him so
0: Love it, bro. I know we could sit here and chat for probably another couple of hours. So for let's, sure. let's kind of move on here to the last segment, something I like to call the random round. Few quick random questions and quick random answers. Ready? Let's hit it. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt?
1: I like like what Brad's doing. We're, we're in Bradley's studios right now, just teaching. I'm, I'm very passionate about teaching. So I think that in my later life doing teaching slash angel investing.
0: If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present, and talk with them for an hour, who would it be
1: and why? Kobe Bryant. Kobe, I recently started consuming his content very heavily. His mindset and work ethic is just- Unbelievable. Next level. Yeah.
0: How do you like to consume content? Books, blogs, audiobooks, podcasts, or videos?
1: A combination of everything, but I would say the thing I like most is books. Um, and I recently, again, on my Let's Podcast, I listened to a guy named Jim Quick. Quick, oh, yeah. K-W-I-K. Mm-hmm. He's a, a brain expert, a learner. I'm actually in contact with now. He's a great guy. So, I've actually optimized how I learn and read and teach through him. So now I'm a big book guy and notes guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jim's a great dude.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: Morning routine is I wake up, make my bed, do 100 pull ups, take a shower. That's how it starts all the time. And recently, again, my let, don't look at my phone. Yeah, that's game changing. I have a $6 alarm clock from Amazon. I use an alarm clock and I put in my, room, uh, my phone charging another room. That's awesome, man. It's been crazy
0: what is your go-to pump-up song?
1: Go-to pump-up song. You know what's funny? I just had this argument right before I came here. It used to be some Michael Jackson, ironically enough, but Michael Jackson, I can't curse on here. If anybody has seen that Michael Jackson documentary, Michael Jackson, I will never listen to that music ever again. So it used to be Michael Jackson until recently. Other than that, I'm a big rap guy. I like Roy Woods, Majid Jordan, like slow R&B rap.
0: What is something that you are just not very good at?
1: Terrible at directions. Really, really bad at directions. Uh, I don't know how to build anything. So like... Back it, to
0: the Ikea thing. Yeah, the earlier. Ikea thing. Yeah. I. That's real.
1: Honestly, if I tried to do it, I could do it. I'm but sure, I, yeah. but, but the pace I would go, I would yeah. be in the bottom one percentile. And then I don't know how to ride a bike, a bicycle. I don't know how to ride a bike. Yeah, it's, those are some pretty stupid things. Yeah. <laughs>
0: How's we get everything wrapped up here, bro? What is one place online where we are going to find you the most?
1: Mark Brazil, Mark with a K, Brazil with a Z, Iconic, I-K-O-N-I-C-K. And then if you want to follow the best artists in the world, Cole, C-O-L-E.
0: Sweet. Perfect. If you want to go consume more of Mark's stuff, head over to Instagram at Mark Brazil and seriously go to Iconic. I promise you will not regret um, ordering a couple of those things for maybe your office or something like that. Mark, brother, appreciate you coming on the show today. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Appreciate it. Good, man. Well that's it for this episode of World Class. World Class is hosted by me, Travis Chapel, and produced by Eric Skorzynski. It is a world class media production. At world class media, we produce top-rated podcasts for seven to nine figure entrepreneurs, executives, real estate investors, and content creators. So if you want your own show, you have the budget to create one, but you just don't have the time or the team to figure it out, then go to Travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's Travis C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L dot com slash make my podcast and let's chat to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, peace out and stay world-class.